first thing that I want to say to you this morning is I just want to remind you and ask you to focus on the fact that we are here because of love. Love is a beautiful thing. Love is a powerful thing. Love is a part of our Christian experience. Remember that we love because he loved us first. And so as we come here and gather as Christian men and women, a church family, part of God's kingdom, I want you to think for just a moment about love. I want you to think about the fact, and I do believe this very strongly, I believe it's the way it's supposed to be, that when when we are loved and when we love somebody, we do what they ask us to do. Now, I've done a lot of marriage counseling in my life. And I look at husbands and wives and I say, you love her? You love him? Then please deeply pray and consider doing what he needs done or she needs done. Doesn't that make sense? If you love somebody, you do what they ask. You do what they need. In fact, in appropriateness, you even do what they tell you to do. Yes, that's part of a loving relationship. Well, now, for a moment, I want you to think about that in relation to what Jesus Christ has told you to do and told me to do. Now, he's told us a lot of things, but we're going to talk about something once again, and we've talked about this before, but repetition is very, very important. And so he's told us that we are to go. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to know all of the things that I have taught you, and I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. Now, therefore, go is a command that is based on love. <laughs> Jesus' love for you and me and our love for him and so, yes, we are to go and do, as he said. And then another time, he said, you remain here and you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Now... I know those passages. I know that's what Jesus said. I believe that you know that. And I'm just asking you and me in the spirit of love, in the spirit of doing what our love for Jesus and his love for us calls for, that we are to go and make disciples and we are to witness the absolute truth and the power of Jesus Christ's love to all persons. 
And that's what we're going to talk about today. In fact, that's what we talk about often, and rightly so. And so please, take just one minute right now. I'm going to stop talking for one minute. I want you to do one thing, and that is in your mind, in your prayers, in your spirit. I want you to look at and listen to Jesus Christ saying, Therefore go and be my witnesses in all places. One minute, total silence. Do nothing, please, but that right now. Jesus, we thank you, thank you, thank you deeply for your love for us and that you've given us through your presence the spirit of love for you and for each other. And our prayer would be that we would accept and live by your commands and we would go and we would be your witnesses in all places at all times. Thank you for inviting us, choosing us. And we pray in your name always. Amen. Now, when we talk about going and being witnesses, I decided that the title for the sermon today was Telling the Stories. Two stories. Two primary stories that you and I are to tell when we go as witnesses, when we go to make disciples. Now, there's a lot that we can talk about in that, but two primary stories. And I want you to concentrate on these two stories because, number one, we must incorporate in our witness the wonderful, powerful, good news of the gospel, therefore the story of Jesus Christ. That is one of the main stories. The second story that we're to tell is your story. Your testimony. I call them God stories. That's just a phrase that I walked into many, many years ago. And so every person in here has a God story. You have a testimony about how God, Jesus Christ, came into your life. And so today we're going to focus on those two stories. The story of Jesus Christ and your story. And both are supremely important as we go and make disciples and as we become and are and will always need to be the witnesses for Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read a scripture. The scripture is from the 10th chapter of Romans. If you want to look at that with me. It's very important for our consideration today. So I'm looking in Romans 10. And I'm going to start with verse 13. Romans 10 verse 13 through 15. It says. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. Will be saved. How then. Can they call on the one that has. They have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So what is this saying? It says that how can people believe and how can they call on one that they have not believed in and how can they believe in one in whom they have not heard and how can they hear without someone preaching to them? All right, I have a question for you right now. Please think, how many preachers are in the room right now? How many preachers are in the room? Thank you. All of us. Now, we got to get away from the fact that only those of us that are ordained by man are to be the preachers. As far as I know, now that I, might, I may be mistaken here, but in this room right now, there are only three of us that are to be preachers. That's myself, Scott Chafee, and Vicki Bohannon. So, three of us are going to do all the preaching. We're going to preach and tell the stories, the Jesus stories, our stories. No, thank you. That is a misnomer. And yet, I'm telling you, it is something that we have fallen into. The pastors, the ordained persons, or maybe even the deacons, although. But people have said, well, now you're supposed to do the witnessing. Yes. But Dr. Don here is just a Christian man. Yeah, some people in the past have examined me and allowed me and ordained me to be a pastor, preacher, minister. But I'm just like you, you're just like me, and what Jesus has done is he has commanded you and me, every one of us, to do what this scripture says. To go and preach, to witness, to tell people the story of Jesus and incorporate that other story, the, your own God story, into your witness so please everybody in the room take seriously and deeply what the lord is saying through scripture today now i'm going to hold up two men from the new testament before you today they are two men that you know and that i know because we have read about them we know some of their story but i want you to hear what they say now, I will propose to you that these two men were just ordinary men. They weren't anything special. One of them was a fisherman, uneducated, and preached an, an amazing sermon and witness to the story of Jesus Christ. And the other one was an educated man. And he had done some things in godly ways, he thought. But Jesus came into his life and completely turned him upside down. And made him one of the most powerful witnesses and writers and teachers in our New Testament. Now, who am I talking about? 
All right, Paul and Peter, two men just like you as a man or a woman sitting here today. Now, think for a moment about this fellow Peter. Now, you know some of the story, and I'll just remind you that Peter was a rough-shod, ragged-edged fisherman. And Jesus came along and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter dived in head first, both into Jesus and sometimes into the water. And Peter was exciting, and he is, but he also was a struggler. He made some serious mistakes. Now, I know you don't ever make mistakes, nor do I. Oh, I can't even believe I said that. Because we all make mistakes. And certainly Peter did. But I'm saying that here is Peter who he was not a preacher. But he had lived with Jesus and he had seen things and he had known things and he had seen the, the miracles and he had made mistakes and Jesus had taught him and nurtured him and loved him just like he loves you and me. And Peter had grown up. And then he fell off the edge of the cliff and he denied Jesus three times. And Jesus came back to him even after his resurrection and restored him three times by saying, feed my sheep. You know the story, right? Yes. Now this was part of the journey of this ordinary man named Peter. And then, just six weeks after the resurrection, just a week or maybe a week and a half after Jesus had ascended into the heavens after him coming back to life, now Peter is amongst a group of people that receive this amazing, powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus had promised. You're going to receive power and you're going to become my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the, all the parts of the world. And so now, as the Holy Spirit has entered into Peter and all the other believers, remember what happened. The people in Jerusalem, the day of Pentecost, they were thinking these people were drunk. Because they were so excited and so celebrating and singing and shouting and speaking all kinds of languages. Ministering to people the truth of Jesus Christ. And everybody, maybe not everybody, but most of the people are saying, well, I believe they're just drunk. And Peter stands up. And I've said to you, and you know, Peter was going to do one thing. What was he going to do? He's going to say, these folks are not drunk, like you suppose. He was going to tell these thousands of people there in Jerusalem, the festival of Pentecost, they are not drunk. And then something happened to Peter. Just like can happen to you and me. Now we sit very quietly. Now I want you to remember, Peter is now standing in the streets of Jerusalem, this is where Jesus Christ was beaten and gone through a terrible trial and dragged off to Golgotha and hung on a cross. And that's what happened in these streets. And now Peter, is he afraid? 
I don't see it in what I'm about to read to you. But it seems like he would have been afraid. Because he's right in the same place where Jesus was horribly persecuted and killed and hung on a cross. But listen carefully to the witness of Peter in this amazing sermon that he preaches. And I'm just going to read much of it. I want you to pay close attention, not to my words always, but to the words of Peter and of Scripture. It says, Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. Now, even right there, do you hear the, the, the confidence, the boldness, the security in Peter? Listen carefully, you people. Listen to what I will say to you. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, do you think Peter prepared this the night before? <laughs> I don't think so. I think Peter is under the, the influence of the Holy Spirit, just as you and I can be and need to be when we are witnessing. And all of a sudden, Peter is remembering what Joel, the prophet of the Old Testament the Lord is using Peter to speak to all of these Jews. And he is saying that Joel said, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all the people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, Peter has just said something that Joel had prophesied. Now, that's going to come true someday. I'll just say that right now. But I want you to always remember, and you're in your witness, and you're telling other people, it says that right at the end, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means you and I, and whatever happens, that we will be okay. We win. Now, Peter goes on to say, and listen carefully, because he says, men of Israel, listen to this. There it is again. Peter is bold. Peter is not the mistaken, impulsive, somewhat self-centered man that he has been because he's experienced the Holy Spirit. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you and through him. As you yourself knows. Now G Peter is saying. Jesus was ordained to do all this. By almighty God. The God that you believe in. He's speaking to the Jews. But he's holding up Jesus Christ. In this witness. And he goes on in verse 23 to say. This man. 
he's talking about Jesus, was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. Now, what did Peter just say there? This man was handed over to you by God's purpose and foreknowledge. Peter is saying this is all part of God's plan. What has happened and what I'm declaring to you is part of God's plan. That's a really important statement. Because we must know and they must know that Jesus willingly went to the cross. They didn't kill him. He gave his life. So this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, he's talking to the Jewish people. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Wow. Now remember... Peter's saying this right in front of the people that did some of this. And he's saying, you did this. You nailed him to the cross. But it was part of God's purpose. But he is being bold here. And then he goes on in verse 24. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Do you understand that Peter has just declared the good news that Jesus was here and Jesus gave his life because of God's purposes and he died on that cross, but Almighty God raised him, resurrected him, and he lives forever because death did not and cannot hold him. That is part of our witness. That is part of the good news. That's part of what we tell when we tell the story of Jesus. Now, I want to go over to verse 36 here. And this is in the second chapter of Acts. And Peter continues there by saying, he, say, he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. Now, just let that phrase sink in for just a moment. He is saying to you and me, he's saying to all of the Jewish people, He's saying to everybody that can hear him there on the day of Pentecost. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. I'm going to expand that just a little bit and say, let all people be assured of this. That God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let all Israel and all people know, be assured that God has made this man that you crucified both Lord and Christ. Why is he saying Christ there? Because in the Jewish people, and you and I need to know that he is saying that he has made him Lord and Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He was then, he is now, he will always be the Messiah. What does that mean? The anointed one. The one that's come to save us. And here is Peter telling the story of Jesus Christ. Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, 
Brothers, what shall we do? Now Peter has laid it out. And now these people are responding. And Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he warned them, and he pleaded with them. Listen carefully. Peter is reaching out in love and in power and in boldness in the name of Jesus Christ to these people that need to know. Now remember, go back. Remember Jesus said, therefore go and make disciples. Therefore go and be my witness. He's saying that to you and me. And now Peter here is illustrating that he has presented and now he's pleading. That's what scripture says. He is warning them with many words and he pleads with them. He's begging them to understand the truth of this story. And to understand a belief in Jesus Christ. And he's saying to them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were saved that day. Now this is here because it is number one fact and truth of what happened 2,000 years ago. Number two, it's here for you and me because it is a model of the boldness and the strength and the dependence on the Holy Spirit and the fact that we are regularly to tell the story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that to let people know to be assured that this Jesus is Lord and Christ. He is the Messiah and he's the answer to what you need and what I need and whether, what others need. Now, please accept Peter's witness and his statement. And then we're going to go to Paul. Now, you know some of the background of Paul. And now in the 22nd chapter of Acts, we find Paul even over in the 21st chapter and then only into the 22nd chapter where he's under a lot of persecution. He is going back to Jerusalem after his missionary journeys at this point. And people are not happy. The Jewish people are not happy with Paul because Paul is doing all sorts of things to tell people to pay attention to Jesus and to not pay attention to their Jewish background, to all of the laws of Moses. And so when he gets to Jerusalem, the people are looking for him and they're wanting him to be, in fact, killed. Uh, they were plotting his death. And so here in the 22nd chapter of Acts, 21 and 22, Paul is being attacked. He's being beaten. Uh, and the soldiers have come to rescue him, the Roman soldiers, to rescue Paul. And they're about to take him into the barracks there in verse 21, verse 30, chapter 21, verse 37. And it says that, 
As the soldiers were about to take Paul into the barracks, he asked the commander, may I say something to you? And the commander gave him permission. And having received this permission, Paul stood up on the steps and motioned to the crowd and they became silent. Now, why did they become silent? Just five minutes before that, they're beating Paul. They're wanting to kill him. And now he stands in front of them and they become silent. That is amazing. That is a miracle. Well, Paul is operating in the spirit of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Just as you and I should. And so Paul steps up and he starts to speak to them. And he tells his story. Remember there are two stories that we must tell. The story of Jesus Christ and your own story. And here Paul is telling in, ver in chapter 22 of the book of Acts. He's telling his story. He says there in verse 2 and 3. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicily. And brought up in this city under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the Jew. In the law of our fathers. And was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death. Arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison. As also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus. And went there to bring these people as prisoners to the Jerusalem to be punished. Now, what is Paul doing there? He's doing the first step in telling your story. He's telling his past. He's telling how he was before he met Jesus Christ. He's telling what he had done. How he had hurt. How he had sinned. How he was deceived. He's telling his past. Because all of us have some mistakes in our past. And that's part of our story. But then Paul goes on in verse 6. He says, About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you per persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up and go into Damascus. Now, of course, you know the story. And this is what we call the Damascus Road experience. And this is when Jesus Christ presented himself to Paul. And Paul became a believer. And he said, Lord, Lord, what shall I do? I will do what you tell me to do. And Jesus says, get up and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. Now, Paul has said his past, which is really important to your story. And then he is told how he has encountered and come into the knowledge and into the belief of Jesus Christ as Lord and Messiah. That's the second part of what you and I need to do 
in telling our story. We need to tell how we've come to know Jesus Christ. Now Paul's about to say here some of what is a part of his third part of the story, and that is after belief in Jesus Christ, what does Christ do in your life? What did Christ do in Paul's life here? So he went into Damascus and the Lord told him about this. And in verse 12, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout believer and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see. Now, we just had the chairman of our deacons, Brother Sheridan Barber, tell a miraculous story about deliverance and healing. And here Paul is saying, I was blind, but now I can see why. Because this is what God is doing. This is what Christ is doing in Paul's life. And then in verse 14 he said, Then he said, Ananias speaks to Paul and says, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, that is Jesus Christ, and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witnesses to all men of what you have seen and heard. That's what Jesus is doing and has done in Paul's life. Because we know that Paul has written most of the New Testament and has taught us the ways of Jesus Christ. This Jew that was persecuting until he experienced the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, all I'm saying today, I'm holding up what God has said through these scriptures. I'm holding up the commands. I'm holding the fact that you and I, as Christian men and women, I have said to you, for me and for you, evangelism, the witnessing and the telling of the story of Jesus Christ and the telling of our testimony, our God story. It is lacking. Now, I'm sorry I have to say that, but it is lacking. Now, we have a wonderful church here, a blessed family of good Christian men and women and young people and children. I am thankful for that. And we're getting better and better and better as days go on. But we're still lacking. Now, I've used that term three times, and I'm going to stop there because it's in your mind. But we must tell the stories. Two stories. The story of Jesus Christ and your story. Do you realize that when you witness that one of the most powerful things that you can say is what Jesus Christ has done for you and for you and for you and for you and for, you and for me. It's your story. 
You don't have to preach an amazing sermon. You don't have to quote seven scriptures. In fact, it would be a mistake to try to quote seven scriptures. You just need to tell the story of Jesus Christ, and you need to tell them your story. What Jesus Christ means to you. And every one of us in here that is a believer, and I pray everybody is, if you're not a believer, please, please, please talk to me today before you leave here. But every one of us in here can tell our story. And then you will connect with that person. You don't have to talk to thousands. You don't have to talk to hundreds. You don't even have to talk to ten people. Just pick one. Please. At least pick one. Do you realize if everybody in here picked one? We would be witnessing to a whole crowd. Amen? Yes, amen. So I am begging you. I am pleading with you because, as Peter said, please be assured that this Jesus that has been crucified and has resurrected is and will always be the Lord and Christ. Let's pray, please.